It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's a sports rush with Brett Rush. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The Tuesday. It is the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, four to six. I am Brett Rump, along with Adam Lundy, and we've got you connected with any questions, comments, or suggestions on the Parkview Sports Medicine text line at 46862. Coming up in minutes, we give you a chance to win with Tuesday Time Capsule Trivia. Now, here's the thing, is if you're today's contestant, you're going to win the large pizza to Pizza Hut from our friends at Pizza Hut of Fort Wayne. If you beat me, you will also get a four-pack of tickets to the Comets game coming up against uh, Worcester, isn't it? Yep, it's the Railers, uh, Saturday, January 20th. Worcester Railers coming into the Coliseum on Saturday. We've got a four-pack of tickets, and if you beat me in today's edition of Tuesday Time Capsule Trivia, you will get the tickets on top of... The large pizza will give you a cue as to when to call in and be today's contestant. Uh, of course, uh, coming up tonight, it is Purdue at IU, the big game, the rivalry. Uh, it's always fun when you've got two teams that are competitive. Now, Indiana's competitive at home. They go on the road. We've seen some trash performances from the Indiana Hoosiers, but overall, they haven't played real bad basketball at Assembly Hall. Now, early in the season, they were still trying to figure themselves out. They gave up too many threes, but their defense has gotten better. And I think ever since the Kansas game, their defense has been a little more consistent at home. It's going to have to be really good against a talented Purdue offensive team with, uh, you know, Fletcher Lawyer that can hit threes. Braden Smith has played terrific this year, both in his distributing of the basketball and his shooting of the rock. You've got uh, Zach Eady inside. Trey Kaufman Wren went off for that uh, 20-some point performance against Illinois. Uh, and so there's a lot of offensive weapons with Purdue. And I, I just think ultimately tonight that Indiana can ride the emotion to keep it exciting. But I don't know if they can ride emotion alone to a victory. I, I just think Purdue's going to be determined to get this win pulled out and put it in the win column. Although Purdue has not handled the road atmosphere real well, remember they've lost games already at Northwestern and at Nebraska. But I think this one is different. I think they know what they're going to expect. I think they're prepared for this one, maybe a little bit more so than they were prepared for Northwestern and Nebraska. And I think that uh, Purdue pulls it out a close game, but I do think Purdue pulls it out. 
I think it'll be a close game, too. Indiana fans at the game in the student section will be looking to get a message out to the referees during the game. Uh, I've been seeing that they'll be giving out whiteout shirts because it's right. a whiteout. It is a whiteout, and everybody in the student sections are getting white shirts. They are also distributing out signs that say three seconds with a large exclamation point. Oh, trying to uh, all hold up the sign if they count three on Zach. They'll probably do the one, two, Three, you know, every time he steps in the lane, right? Like exactly. they do with Giannis when he goes to the free throw line and takes 14 yep. seconds to shoot a free throw <laughs> and they don't call it. Uh, chances are that's not going to get called a lot either, but it sure is fun to be able to try if you're a, and it also tells you that Indiana fans aren't dumb. They know exactly what Zach Eady is going to do. He's going to try to pound them down low at the basket and Indiana's a little concerned on how well they can defend Zach Eady down low with guys like Khalil Ware and Malik Renew. If it's Renew, I think it's a better matchup against Edie, but I think Renew ends up in foul trouble. Uh, Ware may not end up in foul trouble, but he may end up giving up 30 points. So, you know, pick your poison. And if you want to give up a bunch of twos against Purdue and you think that that's better than giving them the three-point shot, then you don't pack the paint. It just, you know, and and so a lot of it will depend if Purdue's hitting threes, especially early, then Indiana has to play a little more honest defensively. But if Purdue comes out, they start 0 for 3, 0 for 4, 1 for 6 or something like that from 3, you're going to see Indiana really packing in on uh, Zach Eady. And then the challenge for Indiana at the other end is going to be, uh, stretching Zach Eady away from the basket, forcing him to defend on the perimeter against Renew or Khalil Ware. And if they can get him away from the basket, that not only uh, puts pressure on Eady to try to guard a guy who, who might have a step on him, but it also opens up the middle for driving lanes for guys like Mackenzie Mbako, Trey Galloway, Xavier Johnson because they don't have to worry about that rim protector standing down under the basket. So I, I think this is going to be a fascinating matchup of personnel. In fact, if I was Purdue, and I know Matt Painter isn't going to go to a zone, but if there was ever a team I'd want a zone, it'd be this type of team that doesn't really give you a big that you can sag off of on the perimeter. Because you can't sag off either wear or renew. They both can hurt you from three. And you either take your chances they're not hitting or you go out and guard them. And if you go out and guard them, you expose yourself to great risk around the basket because you don't have your rim protector. And that's one reason why Purdue can play such intense in-your-face defense is because if they get beat on a dribble drive, they always know there is a shot blocker that's behind them protecting the basket. But uh, we'll see how this one goes tonight. Coverage of Purdue is going to be heard right here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM with Rob Blackman calling the action. And if you're an Indiana fan and want to listen to Don Fisher... That's uh, available on our sister station, Whoa Whoa, 92.3 FM. So we've got you covered, and the best part about it, both radio broadcast provided to you free. That's awesome. Love free. No subscription required to listen to basketball tonight, Indiana and Purdue.
Any chance we see some of the Purdue forwards potentially going out to the three if the Indiana centers kind of start trying to pull him and draw Zach Eady away, park Zach Eady, and then maybe Mason and uh, Uh, Trey? Well, you're already going to have one of the forwards that's going to go out with Renew because I think what Indiana's going to do is they're going to space the floor. They're going to get Purdue away from the basket to Mm -hmm. try to create lanes to allow guys like Galloway to attack on Lawyer. Because I think that uh, Galloway is going to be able to attack the basket on Lawyer. And uh, and then Xavier Johnson, is he going to come to play tonight? Because we've seen good Xavier Johnson and we've seen bad Xavier <laughs> Johnson. Yeah. And it doesn't seem like there's an in-between Xavier Johnson. So uh, if he's, you know, if he's playing well and attacking and scoring on the bounce uh, without forcing it, I mean, you can't just because the defense aligns that favors the drive, you can't just automatically take over and decide, I'm driving and I'm shooting. You can't, you can't really do that uh, because Purdue's too good of a defensive team. You're not going to beat them every time on the drive. But it does open up opportunities a lot more if you don't have Zach Eady planted down in the restricted area underneath the basket. 46862, your thoughts on tonight's game. Purdue, a nine-and-a-half-point favorite Ken Palm says 81 to 70. The Boilermakers win this one tonight at Assembly Hall. And you don't believe it. You're not going anywhere near that spread. I uh, I like the 70. <laughs> I said 71 or 70 for IU, and I'm saying 74 or 75 for Purdue. There you go. And that's what I'm sticking with. No, we'll, we'll see how it goes because this tape will self-destruct if I'm wrong. Yeah, you'll never hear it again. You'll but, never, uh, it won't even make it on the podcast. Just gone. <laughs> you can listen to the podcast all you want. But if uh, Indiana wins this game tonight, I'll be on uh, late night editing. <laughs> it's going in the X-Files. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 46862 Parkview Sports Medicine text line. So now that we've seen the first round of the playoffs, Dallas and Philadelphia. Hey, thanks for participating. Your ribbons will be mailed. Uh, <laughs> it's nice the NFC East decided to join the playoffs only to be eliminated in week one. Um, you know, it's it's kind of interesting that uh, the two NFC East teams that were battling it out all season for that top spot, neither one survives the weekend. Nope. Uh, but now the question is, Will their coaches survive? That's a good question, honestly. Mike McCarthy, Dallas. If you, if I was to say one's gone, one stays. Mike McCarthy is gone. McCarthy's gone. Over Sirianni, yes. Probably agree with you. Only because Jerry Jones, <laughs> I think, would make that type of a decision. Decide this isn't good enough. Somebody pays the price and it's going to be my coach. I'm going to find somebody else because, I mean, Jerry Jones is running out of time and he realizes it. I mean, his dream is to win the Super Bowl. And uh, year after year, it seems like Dallas disappoints Mm -hmm. at some point. And uh, it worked out that way for Jason Garrett. They had to find somebody else. They got Mike McCarthy. Uh, Remember how McCarthy was hired private meetings, and then they, you know, basically they give McCarthy's job before Garrett's even out of town. And so you wonder, as Jerry Jones reached out to Bill Belichick's camp to try to, to test the waters and just see if there'd be interest before he makes that decision. In other words, Jerry Jones doesn't want 
to fire Mike McCarthy only to take the best available candidate that will take the job. He would want to replace him because he's got his eye on somebody that he thinks will get them to the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's going to be one specific person. It's not. And I think be... that person would be Belichick right now, right? Yeah, but we talked about it. I think we, we kind of think that Bill Belichick would be kind of butting heads too oh, much that's with Jerry Jones. Oil and water yeah. is what it is. It's two alpha males that both want to have their way. And I just don't know that the relationship would work. I don't think I, I, w- I don't think I could see either guy giving up ground no. to allow the relationship to work. Neither is going to bend. No. 46862 is the Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Now's your cue to call in. You want to play some Tuesday time capsule trivia? Knock me off my 2024 win streak. Well, what's in it for you? We've got a large pizza to pizza just to call in and be today's contestant. 447-8500. That's 447-8500. Don't be shy. Call today and you could play Tuesday Time Capsule Trivia. And you'll definitely get that large pizza to pizza hut if you beat me today. You'll also get a four-pack of tickets to go see the Commas take on Worcester. That is this weekend at the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum. Taking a look, it is Saturday night's game. So, uh, yeah, now's the time to call. And we already have a caller all lined up, ready to go. So let's go ahead and get to the phone line, find out who's today, who is today's contestant. Who's this? This is Bob Elward. Hey, Bob, how are you? I'm peachy. Uh, well, let's. Uh, as long as you're not frozen... Uh, it's probably a positive with today's weather. Uh, but Bob, do you know how to play Tuesday Time Capsule Trivia? I do. Okay, then we are not going to waste any time at all. Adam, let's play. It's time for Tuesday Time Capsule Trivia on the Sports Rush. All right, let's get things underway here with clue number one. We're going with everybody's favorite Australian football. The Sydney Swans won the 109th AFL Premiership in this year. Bob, first clue, you have the option. We alternate from here on out, so it depends on what you do with clue number one as to who picks first the rest of the way. But uh, what would you want to do? Do you want to go ahead and play or do you want to pass? I will let Brett go first. I will say 1999. I would say 1987. All right, it won't be a first clue extravaganza today. (laughs) Going on to clue number two, this will be Bob first. Asafa Powell of Jamaica set a new world record of 9.77 in the men's 100-meter race in this year, Bob. Oh, I remember that. Uh, 1991. I'm going to say... 2005. Oh, oh man. man. Oh, my gosh. 2024 has been so good to me. Of course, I made a New Year's resolution to never lose again in Tuesday Time <laughs> oh, Capsule man. Trivia. Uh, <laughs> good job, man. Yeah, the look on Adam's face said it all. He could not believe <laughs> that I came up with that answer. Uh, <laughs> hey, it happens sometimes. Uh, you know what? I'm so happy about winning. Heck with the rules, Adam. I'm giving Bob the tickets to the Comet game. Do you want to go to the Comet game on Saturday, Bob? 
Uh, absolutely. All right. Let's do it. Then we're going to fix him up. All right. Let's because fix him up. once again, I rob one of our great listeners <laughs> by stealing another victory in Tuesday Time Capsule Trivia. What was, were some of the other clues, by the way? Yeah, real quick. Uh, Southern Cal won 55-19 over the Sooners for the past season to win the BCS Nap- National Championship this year. Uh, this year's World Series, the White Sox sweep the Astros four games to nothing for their first time since 1917. And uh, Tiger Woods defeated fellow American Chris DeMarco at the first playoff hole to claim his fourth Masters title and ninth major in this year. Well, uh, Bob, would you have had that on uh, clues three, four, or five? I'm a, I probably, I'm a White Sox fan and I'm a golfer. Yeah. Ah, there we so, go. So it would have been in his wheelhouse. Uh, but, uh, you know. I talked to Brant at the uh, golf course. Uh, St. Patty's Day last year. Oh, wow. Awesome, wow. awesome, awesome. Well, you know, um, the uh, the thing is, if there's anybody that would know sprinting, it would be me. <laughs> they call me lightning. Uh, no, they don't. Yeah, you I didn't know. look like a sprinter to me, but... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Only, only, only when... Uh, only when I'm racing the kids to the fridge to get the last piece of pizza. Bob, uh, we got you fixed up. All you got to do is stay on the line so Adam can get some information. We'll get you that large pizza, two pizza hut. Also, we've got the four-pack of tickets to go see the Comets. And Worcester take uh, that go at it this Saturday night at the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum. Uh, that is Tuesday Time Capsule Trivia here for a what? Tuesday. Welcome back to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. Brett Rump with Adam Lundy, and of course, the big game tonight. Any IU fan or Purdue fan can tell you, uh, do not contact after 7 o'clock because it is the rivalry renewed. Donna Simon Scott Assembly Hall in Bloomington, where Dylan Sin is covering it for the Journal Gazette, and he happens to be joining us right now here on the Sports Rush. So, uh, Dylan, let's talk about, first of all, is, is this, I guess you have to consider a rivalry because, because this is kind of evened up with Indiana winning the last couple of games, even though Purdue has been a dominant program over the last few years. No, it's absolutely a rivalry. I mean, these teams, um, play extremely hard when they play against each other. The atmosphere are absolutely when one program is up and the other is down, as was the case for a long time with Indiana and Purdue. And so, yes, yeah, absolutely a rivalry. You'll be able to tell by the crowd being as charged up tonight as it's been all season. So, yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, now let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about the matchup. First of all, the fact that Indiana won both games last year, I look at the rosters and I think that might mean a lot more to Purdue than it does to Indiana. Yeah, I, I think so. Absolutely. I think Purdue is going to come into this game focused and ready to go. I think we, we heard Zach Eady at the end of the game last season say that he thought the assembly hall uh, crowd, the environment kind of shocked them in the first half when IU built a 16-point lead, and they spent most of the second half trying to come back and fail it. And so it was, it, it's going to be that kind of thing where they're more ready for the environment this year. I think they're going to be, uh, I'm sure, I'm some boost. I guess not going to be as, as much as it was last year because Purdue is going to have been through it and will be ready for it a little bit, although there are some guys in the team that are going to be playing in it for the first time. So I think that's going to be an impact as well, and I would expect there's going to be a home court advantage in this game. There's just no way around that. 
I think one of the intriguing things about this matchup, Dylan, is the matchups, all the individual matchups that the coaches are going to have to maneuver through because I think it's going to be a bit of a, a chess match as far as who guards who and what switches do you make. And then when you use the bench, how do you rotate players on their assignments? Because if you're going to go man to man at both ends of the court, which I think both coaches obviously are going to prefer to do, uh, I think. I think that's where this game could be won or lost in just how they match up. First of all, let's look at uh, Indiana's assignments because they've got the toughest one. They've got to guard the uh, reigning national player of the year, Zach Eady. And they've got a couple of options. One maybe has more of the physical body. Uh, the other's got the size. How does Indiana align and match up against Zach Eady? My guess is that they put Khalil Ware on him to start and see what Khalil Ware might do. Right? I think that Khalil Ware has the size and the length to bother him in a way that not a lot of other centers really do. Um, and, and the question is, as you kind of alluded to there, does he have the physical strength, kind of the lower body, his bulk, to guard him? And that's the question. I don't think we know the answer to yet. I don't know if I do the answer to that. So if it, if it seems like he's getting kind of overwhelmed in the post, then maybe you do some kind of the the big traffic that the Northwestern did last year. You bring Malik Renew and and force that you need to try to fire find someone else on the court and, and, and play that way. But I think you give Khalil Ware the first chance. He's been very good defensively this year, and give him the chance to show that he belongs on the court against the best player in the country. I think he'll be motivated to prove that he does. I think it'll be interesting at the other end because Zach Eady will have to guard one of those two guys, and both of those two guys are very capable outside the three-point line. Can Indiana get Zach Eady away from the basket? Yeah, I think that's going to be huge. I mean, we saw Khalil Ware made two three-pointers against Minnesota on Friday. He was two for two. Minnesota basically gave him those shots and said, if you're making those, that's Good for you. We're, we're not going to win the game anyway, so go ahead. I think Purdue might try the same thing, where they are going to – because Khalil Ware has been very streaky from three this year. He's made some shots. He's also missed a lot. So the question is, can Purdue just give him those and say, hey, if you make it, your captain, move on. But if he makes one or two of them, then, yes, Zach Eady can absolutely be drawn away from the rim. And same with Malik Renew. You you draw him outside and, and try to shoot over the top of Trey Kaufman right and see how that goes as well. You know, the other matchups are going to be somewhat intriguing as well. Does Trey Galloway take Braden Smith? Does Xavier Johnson start? And does he guard Braden Smith? What do you expect to see out of Indiana? Any indication as to who they're going with for their starting five? Yeah, they haven't really said yet exactly what they're going to do with that. I think that because Mike Woodson said that the Trey, Xavier Johnson starting was kind of an in-house situation, my suggestion is that that is not a permanent thing. He'll be back in the lineup tonight. So my guess is that he is in the lineup and Gabe Hubs off the bench, and then you have Johnson Galloway starting against one another. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think Johnson, um, and he's been kind of hit or miss this year, but he's going to have to. So if you've got Smith, does that make the lawyer-Galloway matchup just common sense? Yeah, I think it does. I think that that's what you kind of have to do. My, so my suggestion for Purdue is to actually start Mason Gillis. 
on uh, and had Mackenzie Mbako because I don't think they, don't, they have a better option to guard Mackenzie Mbako because he's so big. I don't know if Lance Jones can really handle him because Mbako has seven inches on him. But I don't know if Purdue does that. So if it is lawyer as the starter, then then you go with Galloway on lawyer. I think that's where IU would have a little bit of an advantage trying to run lawyer off the screens and get Galloway free. Yeah, I think it's fascinating trying to follow these uh, these matchups because I think that's one of the real keys to the game is who guards who, who's going to need help, and then how do they rotate and account for not only Indiana's bigs because you've got to account for Malik Renew, especially around the basket, but uh, how do you account for Zach Eady, especially if you get caught in a rotation? All right. Hey, Dylan, while we've got you, I do have to ask you the question because a story surfaced today. And usually these stories are leaked, leaked by an agent or uh, somebody who is connected to a coach who might have interest in a position. And they're pri- trying to get their name out there in the media. Brian Kelly, it is reported, would have interest in the Michigan job. Should Jim Harbaugh not be returning for the Wolverines? What are your thoughts about Brian Kelly bailing on LSU and going to Ann Arbor? Yeah, that that rumor has kind of been circulating for a couple of weeks now. I don't know. I think I think Michigan is just planning on hiring their offensive coordinator. I don't even know if they would interview anyone else if Harbaugh leaves, just because the coordinator has they just won the national championship. He coached three really important games as the head coach. Harbaugh is going to recommend him for the job. I, I don't even know if anyone else. Uh, Kelly might have interest, which is an interesting thing to, to note, considering he's only been at LSU for two years. Yeah. But my guess is they should go with offensive All right, Dylan, we appreciate it. And uh, going to let you go. We'll look forward to your post. I know you'll be all over Twitter or X, whatever you refer to it as. Uh, I know you'll be all over that tonight and, of course, at the uh, Journal Gazette, jg.net, or in print form. Appreciate it. Absolutely, Brett. Looking forward to, looking forward to the game tonight. Yep, that is Dylan Sin joining us here on the Sports Rush guest line. Help a little uh, squabbles there. Uh, we really do need to have the GoFundMe page set up. Uh, you know, Dylan's such a great guest because he's so insightful. He attends the press conferences. He studies these teams. I mean, he's always a very insightful and smart guest. Uh, I just wish we could figure out a way to connect to Dylan and not have to go through any technical issues. But it, it just it just happens. And it's uh, it's rough. It is rough, but uh, kind of going off of what he said, I, I also expect a close game tonight, and I do think that the game being at Assembly Hall does play a factor in keeping this game kind of closer if it was as opposed to a neutral site. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, you know, and I totally think it's like who wins the matchups, what coach gets the right assignments, you know, and gets the matchups right, uh, because that's going to be a challenge all night long, because along the way, you're constantly going to be starting an offensive possession, and somebody's probably going to have an advantage against their defender. And can you run your offense to take advantage of that advantage? Uh, that that's, To me, that's going to be where the game is decided. That's why I think so much on the coaches tonight, and that's why I think Matt Painter ultimately wins 
in that battle of coaches. But we'll see what happens. It's uh, tonight, Purdue versus Indiana from Simon Scott Assembly Hall. And we've got your Purdue coverage with Rob Blackman starting at 7 o'clock right after the Mastodon's Coaches Show. And if you want to get Indiana coverage, that's available as well with Don Fisher on the play-by-play. And all of that coverage can be heard on our sister station, WoWo 92.3 FM. We've got to take a time out. We'll come back. Uh, it's the end of a Hall of Fame career for an NFL player. We'll tell you who. Uh, also, NFL over-unders for the win total. Kind of fascinating. Look at some of the teams that overshot their projection. Some of the teams that fell short. And one of the consistencies with the teams that didn't quite get there. We'll uh, talk about that. That's all coming up here on the Sports Rush, a Tuesday edition on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Welcome back to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. I am Brad Rump along with Adam Lundy. We've got you connected up until 6 o'clock. And at 6 o'clock, we are going to fire up the chopper. I'm heading out to the Holiday Inn, Purdue-Fort Wayne, right across the street from the Memorial Coliseum. It is the Mastodon's Coaches Show. Yes, a live edition out at uh, the Mastodon Grill. Come on out, see us, maybe get a drink after work. Uh, Who doesn't need a drink on a weather day like today? Uh, Yeah, come on out, spend some time with us. We'll be there from 6 to 7. Of course, men's basketball coach John Kaufman will be our guest also, women's basketball coach Maria Marcasano. That is six to seven. Mastodon's coaches show. Top of the hour, right here on thirteen eighty, the fan and one hundred point nine FM. In fact, I believe. Uh, remind me, Adam, at uh, seven o'clock, right after the coaches show. I believe there's a pretty big game happening in this state, right? Oh no, no, nothing going on tonight. Nothing major. No, no big basketball games. <laughs> no, no rivalries. No uh, Indiana Purdue or anything like. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> so Indiana Purdue, uh, love the text on this four six eight six two Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Uh, I honestly, uh, Ken Palm Vegas, they all think this is a pretty comfortable Purdue victory. I don't think it's going to be that comfortable. I think that Indiana gives them a chase. I I see a game very much like what we saw with Indiana versus Kansas. Indiana rode the emotion. They uh they kept the throttle down as much as they could, but ultimately the better team made more plays down the stretch, won the basketball game. And that's what I kind of expect to have happen tonight. I think that Indiana plays with the emotion, the home crowd, They play with some confidence because they've had success against Purdue. Ultimately, I think Purdue figures it out. And quite honestly, I think it comes down to coaching in the second half. I think Purdue makes adjustments that are going to be necessary. And I think Purdue wins a close game. I'm going to say somewhere around three or four points. I expect it to end up somewhere around the 75, 71, 74, 70 type range. Uh, But that's just... That's my expectation for the game tonight. I think Purdue is going to end up winning this game. I'd have to agree. I I think, like you said, it'll be a close one. I think it'll come down to uh, Purdue's defense um, and seeing if IU can get their offense going against Purdue's defense, and it'll come down to if IU can stop Zach Eady on the other end. I mean, IU's been a different team at home than they've been on the road, and uh, certainly the 9.5, or 10, uh, yeah. 11 points that you see with Ken Palm and mm-hmm. with 
the Vegas number. I I just feel like, man, you, you want to think, okay, Ken Palm makes it an 11-point game. Vegas makes it 9.5. So the value based on Ken Palm versus Vegas is to go with Purdue to cover it. I just think if you're going to get 9.5 points and you can have the home team with 9.5 you take the home team. I don't know if Purdue pulls this away late. If it ends up being a, a you know a game that maybe is four, five, six points, and then Purdue pulls away very late in the contest, I I don't get it. I think that's a lot of points for a home team. So I uh, I think Indiana covers, but Purdue wins. Four six eight six two Parkview Sports Medicine text line four six eight six two. Last night we saw the end of a Hall of Fame career. Jason Kelsey, you could tell in the final seconds of the game. The emotion that he was showing in the sideline and the hugs for coaches that it was the end of an era for Jason Kelsey. He is now nothing more than a podcaster. <laughs> uh, but Jason Kelsey told his team after the game in the locker room that uh, that was it. He is retiring from football, 35 years old, uh, a long career for an offensive lineman. A long, successful career. I'll tell you, Philadelphia is really going to hurt without him. First of all, if you watched uh, last night, you saw he's constantly reading the defense, trying to figure out who's coming on the blitz, how the offensive line's going to have to react to the blitzing gaps. And and uh, so he calls out a lot of the offensive blocking schemes. And then you've also got... Uh, the leadership in the locker room and the leadership at practice. It just When you have a veteran like that, that everyone respects, everyone likes, he's the glue of the organization, uh, I think he's going to be a guy that is really missed for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, I thought this was interesting. Yesterday, I pulled this. We never really got to it a whole lot on the show. But uh, before the season, we all get win totals for the teams. Vegas sets a number. And we decide, are they going to have more or less as far as victories compared to whatever their win total is set at? And uh, I found it kind of interesting looking at some of the teams that grossly underperformed. Some of them are not surprises. The Carolina Panthers were projected at seven and a half wins, which in hindsight, you think, boy, that seems like a high number. Uh, But there was a lot of momentum with Frank Reich getting the number one pick with Bryce Young. And neither one of those situations worked out, at least in the way Carolina was hoping. So Carolina at seven and a half finished with two wins this season, the worst record in the NFL. So they were five and a half below their Vegas number. You also had a team in Los Angeles four and a half below their number. That's the Los Angeles Chargers, who are also looking for a coach. Uh, there seems to be a bit of a theme here, if you follow along. Uh, another, another team that finished grossly under their Vegas projection of seven and a half wins was the New England Patriots. Uh, another team that just changed coaches. And uh, finally, we've got the Washington Commanders. Uh, they are uh, they were a preseason projection of seven and a half wins. They finished with a 4-13 and record. They finished three and a half games below the over-under number. And, no coincidence, they too are looking for a coach. How about that? <laughs> no amazing? coincidence, is it? Isn't it amazing? The teams that 
that are grossly under their Vegas number that they are the teams looking for coaches. Now, they also, of course, end up with the worst records in the league because to go under that far, you have to have a pretty bad record. Uh, but let's look at some of the teams that outperformed their projection. Uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, the team that went the most over their projected win total this year. Do, do you have an idea, Adam? Do you know the answer to this? Is it the Texans? No, not a bad guess. But no, it's not the Texans. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. The Baltimore Ravens. Really? Projected to be right at 500. Eight and a half was the number. So they were projected to be a 500 team. They finished with the AFC's best record at 13 and four. So they were four and a half above their projection. Now the Houston Texans were three and a half above. Six and a half was the projection. Ten was the win total. The Indianapolis Colts were also projected at six and a half, and they finished with nine, so they were two and a half over. Uh, the Raiders were also a six and a half preseason, and they finished with eight. The Los Angeles Rams were a seven and a half over under number finishing with 10 wins making the playoffs they were two and a half above and uh, the tampa bay buccaneers at six and a half wins isn't it interesting and i don't know i don't know what history would tell us how many teams that were six and a half win projections preseason in the afc made the playoffs the texans made the playoffs actually i shouldn't say the uh the afc uh, the NFL. I guess the Rams were not six and a half. They were seven and a half, but they were two and a half over the projections. So you had the Texans, the Rams, two and a half over the seven and a half, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who were two and a half over their six and a half. So uh, the Steelers also were a game and a half up. They made the playoffs. Uh, some of the other overs. Did I mention the Lions? Two and a half over? No. Cowboys were two and a half over. Both of them had preseason lines of nine and a half wins. And uh, both the Cowboys and the Lions finished with 12 wins each. Of course, if you ask Lions fans, uh, they probably should have had 13 and Dallas should have had 11. But <laughs> anyway, just fun to look at some of the over-unders from this past season. 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Well, we are going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll put the final touches on this Tuesday edition of the Sports Rush. Mass Announce Coaches Show is coming up at the top of the hour, so stick with us here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. This is Joe Tipman, and you're listening to the Sports Rush with Brett Rump on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Welcome back, final time to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. And Brock Rohrbacher, the new Woodland football coach, Berkeley Sports Medicine, uh, posted that announcement earlier today. Former athletic director and football coach at Leo, taking over the Woodland football team. And, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of think, and of course, uh, I guess we should give credit where credit is due. Woodland did officially announce this prior uh, on X, on social media. But, uh, you know, Brock Rohrbacher, who's been kind of a fixture at Leo over the last decade or better, and uh, he's still staying at East Allen County Schools, but he was the head coach from 99 to 2005, and then he became the athletic director 
And so he was uh, spent a long term as the athletic director up until 2019. Um, he was an assistant coach. He also was serving as a physical education teacher at Leo. Um, but uh, his coaching career goes all the way back to 1995 when he was the head coach at New Haven. Of course, the Rohrbacher name synonymous with Snyder High School. He was an all-state linebacker. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I remember him in high school. Uh, he was one of the reasons I chose not to play football. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're going to tell me I'm going to get hit by that, that guy. Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, all state linebacker for the 1986 state runner up team. Actually, he and I would not have crossed paths on the field, but I do remember him playing. He also was the IHSAA mental attitude award winner that season. Last year, Woodland was two and eight. 17 and 43 since they had the state runner-up finish in 2017. So congratulations to Brock Rohrbacher, new head football coach of the Woodland Warriors. And, you know, those of us that are old-timers, we remember all the years of traditional powers year in, year out at Woodland. And so uh, Brock Rohrbacher is going to try to bring back that type of success. Well, that will just about do it for us. I got to jump on the chopper. Got to get to the Mastodon's Coaches Show out at the Holiday Inn, Purdue, Fort Wayne, right across from the Coliseum. You're invited to join us. Men's basketball coach John Kaufman, women's basketball coach Maria Marcasano. We're there from 6 to 7. And then tonight it is Indiana and Purdue, live from Simon Scott Assembly Hall. We've got your Purdue broadcast right here at 1380 The Fan 100.9 FM. With Rob Blackman on the call at 7 o'clock. Also, if you want to catch uh, the complete IU coverage, pregame to postgame, you can catch it on our sister station with Don Fisher calling the action. It's the IU Basketball Network, and that is WOWO 92.3 FM, only available on the FM side of WOWO at 92.3 FM. Thanks to Dylan Sin for jumping on the show. And talking about the matchup tonight, that will do it for us. Back tomorrow for a hump day edition on the Sports Rush, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.